Good CEOs build and maintain successful companies. Great CEOs build and maintain influential ones. We're connecting with successful business leaders on how to create the impact within your organization that transforms it into one of influence at the CEO Roundtable. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the CEO Roundtable podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brian Lee, co-founder at Romley and Gilder. Brian, thank you for being here, brother. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Tony. It's fun to, fun to be here. Excited for the podcast. No, thank you. And, you know, we, we've had a chance to connect, but also have you come into the studio and really, you know, get to see the the, the community, right, that we've uh, started to build here. And, you know, what I love about it is that you're very much focused on, on many of the same things and there's just an alignment in what you do. But I would love for you to start with, you know, exactly just what the two companies do that make them unique in the way that they really work well together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fun part about what I'm doing at Gilder and Realme right now is being able to interact with so many other amazing innovators and people in the space, not just here in Chicago, right, but across the globe. And, and that's essentially what we started off with Realme, where for us, it was a B2C travel tech platform. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of long story short, we were, we were on a trip uh, with some college friends in Edinburgh and Dublin. And our third friend, who was the essentially the tour guide, came down with pneumonia in the last really last few days. So he was kind of like quarantined to the Airbnb, a little bedridden, and we were just like, all right, well, what do we do? We just kind of just, let's just walk around. And so it kind of spawned from there, and this was pre-COVID. And so when we launched actually in May of 2020, which was you know not the best time considering people weren't traveling as often then, uh, it really allowed us to kind of look at the model and figure out, hey, what do these local communities and tourism boards and chambers of commerce and art institutions, art orgs really need you know, with everything going on the, from, during the pandemic? And that evolved into a situation where, come flash forward three years later, right, they're still seeing a lot of these same problems. How do we get, how do we increase engagement? How do we drive tourism to our communities and our small businesses and feature them in ways that maybe traditional marketing or advertising doesn't highlight as well? And so through that experience, got really introduced to the whole, you know, VC fundraising and bootstrapping and investor and other founder world, which really led me to create Gilder with two other amazing founders uh, and Michael Frank and Tiger Gamel. And that focus was really, like you said, around community. Um, we are a fully virtual international community. So most, mostly focused in North America, also with LATAM, uh, European, Africa, Asia, Australia, what have you members. But really to really put together a place with vetted subject matter experts where well, that's investors or executives or founders themselves who can really just go and create meaningful connections and relationships. So trying to remove the forced networking aspect of uh, a lot of events that we go to nowadays and, and developing this meaningful relationship, whether it's on a professional or personal level. That's amazing. So when it comes to Romley itself, what is the actual product? Because it's a, it's a pretty cool, you know, and it's very approachable and affordable, right? It's not like it's some crazy thing that you'd have to pay for. Yeah, I appreciate it, right? And, and the, the product itself is... So when we think of how do you, as a consumer, right? So think to yourself, right? When you go to a new city or things like that, um, maybe you use like Yelp or TripAdvisor or certain things, or even just Google, right? Or maybe you go through a bunch of blogs and things like that. And so when you go to a new city, sometimes it might take hours of research to figure out, hey, how do I maximize my time and, and want to find the best things to do? And these are the same things and problems that local chambers and local convention tourism bureaus are also figured on, right? How do we maximize the experience? Uh, Tony might only have five hours, you know, in 
San Antonio? How do we make sure that he gets to see the best things there and maybe not just the super touristy things, right, or things like that? And so that was the problem we were really looking to solve. And so the product helps create interactive maps and scavenger hunts and walking tours and different types of almost like passport-related experiences that the businesses and groups can use to highlight uh, their members. And so through Romely, we help them create these types of, we like to tell them, think of us as your intern or your partner, right? Your marketing guru through that entire experience. And yeah, and we do that all for essentially $29 a month, right? That's We saw these other companies doing these big annual contracts. And for us, right, these are nonprofits, most of these organizations. They're not, we're not doing this to get rich ourselves, right? And we know that they don't have these huge budgets that a lot of enterprise companies do. For us, it's how do we find great partners and support them because the work that they're doing is amazing work uh, because it's your local mom and pop restaurant or business that uh, is trying to just, you know, put food on the table and survive and grow. 100%. So when with that $29, is it that uh, like the Chamber of Commerce, they're paying it, but do the, the like let's say if you have different businesses, and I think of it as, you know, these, these almost like a scavenger hunt, you said, or, yeah. you know, an interactive map where you're going to different areas within that community. Is it just the Chamber of Commerce that's paying for that, or are all the, all the businesses that are a part of that paying uh, also a subscription for that? No, not, it's literally just the organization that kind of puts it together. Wow. So they could have, right, hundreds of different businesses as part of it that they're getting to highlight. And, and it's ideally, how do we increase the value of membership for the Chamber uh, or for the Convention Bureau for the businesses? So if they could say, hey, we can help you get tens of thousands of incremental views or more foot traffic to your business, is that worth the standard membership that you know we, the Chamber of Commerce, charge? Uh, and so for us, it's, yeah, again, just seeing the way that people, whether it's locals that have lived in Chicago for 20, 30 years and are discovering new things, whether it's a new business that's opening or they've been around for decades, that to us is the most enjoyable experience of, of getting to work with such cool partners. Wow. And and it's a great idea. I mean, I love it. And everything that I've seen so far uh, of it is, is really amazing and something that I would love to start using as well. I appreciate it. You yeah. Know? No, it is. It's, it's phenomenal. And and to get to this point, right, you, I mean, you had a, a career before this. And, yep. and why don't we just start kind of with that? Because you had some pretty cool jobs and you were part of some, uh, you know, very cool things that, that these, these companies were doing. Yeah. And, and that was for me, like the very typical, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's like, being able to have a, a steady and amazing job with a great company like the Hershey Group. That was where I started my career, right? Amazing people, super talented, got a really good chance to kind of have my really first full-time job, right? I was a, a sales representative, got kind of working with different customers um, at the retail level, like Walmart and Jewel and, and things like that here in Chicago. Um, and then had the move opportunity to move to Boston to kind of work at the account level and manage our C-store reps that were going into um, convenience stores at the time. And for me, and for Hershey, right, such a great company, um, every time you got promoted or kind of were working to move up the, the career path, it, it kind of resulted in a new move or going to Hershey, Pennsylvania or Bentonville, Arkansas, you know, with Walmart, like kind of at the customer level. Uh, and I think at that time in my life, I just, I wasn't ready to kind of keep moving every mm-hmm. uh, 18 to 24 months. Oh, wow. And so um, I got the opportunity to go work for Ferrara Pan, a candy company back here in Chicago, which also coincided with the opportunity to open up uh, an escape room in Evanston with uh, my best friend, Bonnie Sergevich, who's also my co-founder at Romley. And it kind of just was a nice serendipitous occasion, like, all right, perfect, you can move back to Chicago, start a new job, um, kind of start your first entrepreneurial endeavor, and, uh, and loved it there as well. Some, some of the great friends I have today still you know, met from Ferrara and also went there from Hershey. 
And at that point was there for about three years, uh, had some good sales and, and product experience, and then moved to actually a smaller confectionery company, uh, which was a startup based in Cincinnati or just outside Cincinnati. And I think for me, that was, that was really the first eight years of my career between sales and product. But it was kind of, hey, I enjoy this, right? And I'm super privileged and blessed to be able to have these great experiences. But is this really what I wanted to do the next 30, 40 years of my life? Mm. And uh, not everyone gets to have the, the privilege to be able to make that determination, right? And because a job in the end is a job, right? We use that to, to feed ourselves, to feed our family, to put a roof over our heads. And, and a, very few people get the chance to truly do something I think that they they love or at least enjoy and get paid for it. And so I figured if there was a time, hey, like, you know, I don't, I'm not married yet at that, at that time. I didn't have a family. Uh, I might as well try and pursue this now. And so that's really what prompted us to, or me to kind of get into Romley and really just kind of, you know, bite the bullet, if you will, uh, yeah. especially with the pandemic happening at the time. No, for sure. And now originally you're from um, New York, right? Yeah, yep. just uh, just north of the city. So. Yeah. Now, so coming you know, here was because your mom worked for Kraft. And so mm-hmm. uh, you, you guys moved as a family. But was that entrepreneurial, you know, spirit or did anybody have that in your family that, that this was something that was just in you? Like, where did that come from that you wanted to pursue something on your own? Yeah, and great question, right? Because I think in my parents, like, love them and the, the work ethic and I think everything they instilled in me but both of them were, were pretty much a very focused career and this is you know more in the age of like the 70s 80s 90s right kind of growing up going to school and that career progression right where my dad was uh, essentially career life at IBM was there for over 30 years um, between Eli Lilly and Kraft my mom was also only at two companies for her entire career wow. Kraft also for over 30 years and so they were very much like, and I think a lot of like our parents in that generation are, hey, you, you get a good job, get a good pension, right? Get a good, invest in your 401k and everything, and you'll be set to retire. And as obviously as most people will tell you nowadays, that's that's drastically changed, not just from that generation, but to, to the cost of everything nowadays and what people have to do to, to frankly survive, right? And, and thrive in this economy. And so they were very much... Um, well, they were very supportive of me going into the entrepreneurial endeavors. They were also very much like, oh, like, why don't you continue to just climb your way up the, the career ladder or get your MBA and really focus on growing that way? Um, so while they were very supportive, no, it was just something that I feel like I, I personally wanted to do. And also a lot of pushing and, and support from my co-founder, Bonnet, and he and making sure that he said, hey, let's let's go for this, right? It's not like we're we need to take out this big half a million dollar loan to start this, right? Let's, you know, we're, yes, we're taking a risk and putting the capital up front and, and taking out the lease and doing all that. But again, at that time we were 25 and it's what better time to do it than then. hundred percent. No, absolutely. Now, was your decision to go into uh, consumer products that, um, was it because of your mom? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So it's funny that I, I was political science, uh, at least that's what I studied in college. So oh, no quite different yeah. than what I eventually got into. Um, entrepreneurship was a certificate or a minor that they offered. So I also did that. But uh, really growing up at and my mom at Kraft, right? So like Milka and Toblerone and a lot of those, uh, I guess, if you will, like the more European type chocolates were always in the house, which which I enjoyed. But uh, in a weird way, maybe this is a very American mindset, but I was, hey, like, you know, I like the the Reese's or like the Kit Kats and some <laughs> of the, the, the more standard, what you might see in your Halloween basket, right, growing right, up. Right. Um, and so when I got the opportunity, yeah, when I just saw the, the typical career fair type thing at college and and saw Hershey there um, and they had, you know, all the samples and everything, I was like, you know, that's pretty fun. Who, who, who gets the opportunity to be able to say they work at that type of environment? So 
for me, yeah, CPG kind of spawned as a result of my mom's career and seeing, and she loved her job too and what she did. And she was in finance, so not quite on the sales side, but definitely played a factor, I think, into me eventually going and staying in that CPG route for the first eight years. That's cool, though. That's very cool. Now, when you think about those those early years, and you really you partnered with your high school friend, right, with Romley and also, well, first with the escape rooms. Mm-hmm. But making that transition, what what are some of those things that looking back, you know, you obviously you learn from your, your experiences, your mistakes, you know, everything. But but just looking back, what are those things that, you, one, you had to overcome, and two, were the greatest lessons you, you took away that you still apply today? Yeah, and I think it's like twofold, where you can always – you can always be more prepared, right? I think that you, you can always build out as many financial plans and models and do your research and, and market analysis and everything that it takes, right? So there's that. And at the same time, you also need to be ready to just, uh, I won't be cliche and say, you know, just do it like Nike or anything like that. But at the same time, you need to be able to, once you know you've done your research and and, and spoken to customers or, or really mapped it out, at a certain point, you just need to, you need to launch, right? You need to kick that off. And I think the... The last thing you could do, there's there's so many amazing and talented individuals in the world, whether they're they call themselves entrepreneurs or not, that are, are working on amazing ideas. So, and this is maybe what other VCs or investors will tell you. To me, it's less about the idea and it's all about the execution. And so if you think that you want to be a founder or you want to build something, really ask yourself, like, is this something I'm willing to commit to for potentially the next, you know, five, 10, however many years of my life. It's not just necessarily a, a get rich quick. It's certainly not, it's the far from the opposite, right? I know many other bootstrap founders or people that go, you know, five or six years without ever seeing a dime in their personal pockets, right? <laughs> right. Um, which is a luxury. Again, most people don't get the chance to do that because they need to work a, a, a any job or, or do whatever to, to put food on the table. And so um, that's kind of my advice and learning. Like maybe I, I looked at to it with, with maybe some rosy colored goggles and oh like this is great you just you start an idea and people invest and people just give you checks and you can just start building right uh, when in reality there's just so much more hardship and and things you need to grind out to do it not just in the form of like 12 15 hour days but really kind of emotional distress at times and so i think it's it can be a really lonely road even with a co-founder right so making sure you just have a good support system and people that can understand a little bit of what you're trying to build and go through goes a long way. No, and, and that's one of the things we had talked about was just a lot of the misconceptions and the glamorization of the, that, that uh, the entrepreneur life, right? And, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, it was really about lifestyle and, and, and changing that lifestyle, adopting to that lifestyle. But I think that comes with that certain mindset, right? And what, is it, what was it for you or what, you know, can, can you shed some light on as far as what, what kind of mindset do you need to have to go into this beyond being a little nuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's half it exactly, right? Where you need to be so, ideally so passionate about something where you you <clears throat> want to make that your life, right? And almost your identity for however long. And so if it's, whether it's something like, hey, I want to build a community to put people together, you know, in, in Chicago where maybe it's, it's a little underserved and we don't see as many of the groups like that. Or maybe it's, I want to create a future of work software that makes it better for for salespeople to like you know take calls or to document their notes. Um, you need to think of something that's that's so core to to a solution in the marketplace today and and live that. And I think a lot of people think, okay, maybe like once I launch it, like I said, I'll get the check and I can start building and you know I'll be able to get offices and hire people and it'll just be fun. Uh, and in reality, that's like less than one percent of entrepreneurs get to that stage or right, get to that opportunity. And so I think it's resilience that's a big piece of it and, and just 
you know, how many thousands of no's I've gotten throughout my life from whether it was trying to raise money, whether it was customer meetings, whether it was surveys and appointments and demos, just being able to still push past that at the end of the day. And like, whether it's, you know, two in the morning and still say, okay, I know what's on my list. I still need to do it. I'm going to make tweaks and keep improving. So I think a lot of that is the core uh, I would say if you have the motivation to really dedicate yourself to something and the resilience to continue it, then then yeah, the founder life is is probably for you. No, I mean I, I think a lot of people are gravitating towards that. I think there like there is this shift, and and you mentioned you know just how things have changed in today's day and age as things do get more expensive, as it's just it's evolving, right? Mm-hmm. How do you see that really shaping the way that the economy will inevitably be because of that, right? Where people are starting to maybe take on less jobs. People are, aren't seeing as, as college as necessarily fundamental to uh, having a career or, or stepping out into you know an entrepreneurial role. But yeah, how do you see that shaping or changing uh, as people start to have more side hustles, as you know, nine to fivers are looking for that? You know, what, what do you see kind of evolving based on some of these conversations you're having with um, really key influencers in that space? Yeah, and I think this, and I'll have to, there was an article I saw or basically uh, came out earlier this year, and it was what, what are the top three or like top five career paths or like job uh, choices that you that kids want to do these days, right? Whether it's I think it's elementary through middle school, and, and number one was influencer, which I guess is not yeah. so surprising, right? Because I think of just the way the influencer life is glamorized, and a lot of that too comes from right. It's not just you know people who drive for Uber and also DoorDash and also you know, have all, and also as a, you know, TikToker, real influencer, but it's the people who also do nine to fives and, and have these side hustles as well. And I think, and I, and I love what the creator economy has done, I think for the overall economy and being able to provide more options. It's just unfortunate that, you know, the time that it's happening, people are kind of forced into having, you know, you see, you hear stories of people having two remote full-time jobs, right? At the same time to be able to pay their rent or mortgage in San Francisco and things like that. And it's a shame that that's kind of what it's it's come to, to for people to just be able to survive on, at a basic level. But because if, again, you look at even 20 years ago, if you had all these different types of options, when the price of a house was, you know, significantly lower than what we're seeing today and the, you know, the price of going to Whole Foods or something, you know, 100 bucks took you a lot further back then. There, there's so many more options now for people to earn. Um, but we're just seeing that people have to do that to be able to just live, right? Um, and so at some point, there needs to be a better balancing, right? That's that's well above my pay grade. But um, it, it's at least good seeing the opportunities and seeing the companies that are coming out that are enabling people and individuals to earn more or to try and monetize their time um, when, you know, really 10, 20 years ago, that didn't exist. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Whole Foods, hundred bucks gets you a sandwich and a kombucha right? on a good day, right? A <laughs> <laughs> good day, and and for you, one of the things that I asked you about the just the way that you've marketed um, Romely specifically was that a lot of it was word of mouth, and a lot of it comes from you know the events, and you know there's there's always that when you're when you have a company and a brand, you know there's a way that you market it. But as far as yourself, right, you have these kind of multi-faceted uh, uh, identities, if you will. But how do you market yourself? How do you brand yourself? How, how you know what have you had to be aware of? You know, what are some of those things that maybe you've learned the hard way as far as just being able to communicate kind of who you are, what you're doing and and, and representing the brands as well? Yeah, that, that's a great. And that's something that, you know, I think myself and just any not, you know, not founder, just anyone where our personal brand is, is so important just at any level. Right. What no matter what you do. And I think for me, how I like to position myself is I'm not 
right? I'm not this like super successful founder who's, you know, raised hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Or like had all these like insane eight figure, nine figure exits, right? But I think anyone, like I try to learn as much as I can from from anyone I speak to, right? Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter whether you're 18 years old or 70 years old, right? Like you're, the, the sum of human experiences are something that anyone can learn from. And so for me, I try to share that same sentiment as, hey, if I'm like, I'm not trying to lecture you or not try to coach you, you know, we, we could be meeting just at a dinner or just at a happy hour or, or whatever, but I might not have all the answers, but I know people that have better answers than I do, or I can at least summarize what I've learned throughout my time at, you know, Romley and Inventure Capital at Gilder at, at my, you know, Hershey and Frero and, and those types of companies. And so for me, my personal brand is just, it's that, and it's just trying to be authentic or trying to be honest when I'm not like a huge personal Instagram or whatever poster, but um, I mean, that's why social media exists, right? People like to, to highlight the best things about their life, whether it's a TikTok or a, I don't know, Twitter's, I guess it's own little thing, but whatever <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. right? They like to highlight that. And I think it's just a bit like, Gen Z and the younger generation and all ages are, are starting to see like they they flock to more authentic content, right? Versus just the glamorization of anything. And so people are trying to see through those lenses a little bit more. And so for me, it's just how can I can I try and be as authentic as myself um, or myself as possible and, and not candidly just try to BS people, right? Because I think community is such a big piece, like from what you're seeing and what you're doing and then what myself and other communities I'm a part of. And communities really fall apart if you can tell that people are not being genuine or organic. And oh, so 100%. trying to, to install that from the get-go has been a big piece of, for me, for my own personal brand as well. Yeah, no, and, and you know, you say you, the way that you mentioned success, and I think we all kind of fall victim to that, where we measure success based on what someone else's goals are. And we say, well, it's about raising this much money or mm-hmm. you know, having this kind of exit. But that's really not your motivation either. Is You're not motivated by that to do that. And I think you are successful in that way, right? Um, but I guess, yeah, what, what is the, the logic behind that, the mindset uh, of you know how you want to do things? Because you know, it sounds like you had a pretty good upbringing, right? And it lacked for nothing, you know, and, you know, living in an area that's that's nice, right? And, and yet you're not uh, like thinking about it like more and more and more, but really about giving. And, and I think that's what Gilder really, you know, has taken off from that perspective. But yeah, just talk to me a little bit about that mindset of, of really not being in excess, but still, you know, living in a world where we're defined by that almost, of, of pursuing that. Right. And I try to be, right? And of course, it's like you, you see all these things, all right, this, you know, someone's driving the Ferrari down the street or someone's living in the mansion. Of course, it's like the human mind. It's like, yeah, it's nice to want those things, right? But I think in the grand scheme of things, when you look and right, we're both in a very similar space with community and there's so many different businesses you can get into. And at least for me, and I, I know you share a similar sentiment, right? Like we didn't get into community to become billionaires, right? No, to become yeah, right. rich, right? It's to me that there's more value in those human connections and kind of that personal network than it is from just like, I don't know, like a new car, right? Or a new shirt or, or a fancy dinner, right? Like while those things are nice and like pe- people should get the opportunity to get to experience those things, um, for me, it was about, yeah, like I'm, I'm hopefully on this earth for, you know, 70, 80, however many years, I'd like to do something that has value, not just for myself, but but for others, right? There's What's the mm-hmm. point of be, being super wealthy or rich, right? If you're not able to one, share it with others or, or make an impact on others uh, in any type of positive way. And so for me is, could I really kind of sit down and try to grow like, a hundred X type growth business. And which is very difficult, right? Like if I wanted to make that my mindset, I'm sure I could try and work towards it. But for me, it's much more important to be able to just create a business where 
I can enjoy myself where I have time with, with you know, my wife and my family. I'm able to be with friends and, and work with others in a fun way. That to me, uh, which again, that that's a privilege. I get it. But to me, that was much more important than um, trying to, you know, keep my head down 15 hours a day and just and grind and grind and grind. Um, not to say that there weren't days like that, but I think for me, at least at this stage of my life, and, and that's my what I would challenge other entrepreneurs to out there, find out your reason for, for becoming a founder, if that's what you think you want to do. If, if you're doing it just to become rich, right, that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think you need to really, the superficial reasons will get outweighed by the, the true personal reasons, if that's what you want. So definitely think, take a long, hard look in the mirror before and figure out why you want to do that um, if you are seriously considering, you know, that path. Yeah, no, and that is great advice. And, and one of the things I think about, too, is just um, the those those whatever they want to call them, those those people on social media that post pictures of themselves next to a Ferrari and next <laughs> to those things. Right. And you're like, come on, that's not what the life is about. And, and we go back to that lifestyle aspect of it, you know, and I think you, you gave some great advice. But just to those kind of people, right, who see that or even not necessarily the ones posting it, but the ones seeing it, that that's not really what the lifestyle is about. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not really what is going to get you there is focusing on those things. It's like how, when you see that, like what what, is, what do you think of or, or, you know, what would you say to those individuals who are one glamorizing it in that way, but it's also not very accurate? Yeah, and it's tough, right? Because I think for me, like I, I have, I have a 2004 Lexus RX 330. It's so she's coming up on 20 years and in two months, and I'm pumped. Like same car I drove in high school. That's uh, awesome. That I drove though. in college. Yeah, you know, pushing 190,000 miles, and and I love it. And she's great. Right? I call her all reliable, and she's uh, and, and like for me, it's a Toyota. So yeah, right. Like what lasts forever. What I love to drive a Ferrari. Like probably not in Chicago, but yeah, like right, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. of course, like those are nice things to have. But for me, like, again, it's does it do exactly what I need it to do in a car, right? Absolutely, right? And, and then some. And so for me, it's yes, that's why social media was kind of invented in a way, right? To, you want it to inspire and motivate and whatever uh, for others. And so I think for those that are, you know, at home or people who, who are scrolling and see those types of things, you can use it as motivation. I think that is important to an extent, but also realize that's like, you know, that that's not, like you said, that's not the reality. And that shouldn't be like your only goal, right? Your goal shouldn't necessarily be like, I wanted to, I want to own a Ferrari, right? Or I want to live in like a, you know, $5 million, $10 million mansion or whatever. It really should be, hey, what's, what's the journey to get there, right? I want to build something that will help, ideally help a lot of people and add value that, yeah, that can ideally make me money, right? Or maybe I want to create something that helps others learn to be able to make them, to empower them and to make them successful, right? And in return, right, I, I get something back. So if you can do that kind of intrinsically without the the money or the, the fame or whatever you will being the end goal, if you could flip that around, then I think you're starting to see people that are getting into it for the right reasons. 100%. No, I couldn't agree more. And so, you know, on that, I want to thank you for sharing all this stuff. Right? Yeah, of course. A, a lot of wisdom, a lot of great advice. But how can people support you, find you, follow you, subscribe to all those good things that, uh, that you're talking about and, and really doing with Gilder and Romley? Sure, yeah. So find me on LinkedIn. That's usually, which I know it's cliche since a lot of people are not <laughs> super fans of LinkedIn, but find me on LinkedIn, Brian, Brian Connor Lee. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, but otherwise, Gilder.com. I, to me, the most fun is being able to talk to other amazing creators and individuals out there building fun things. So whether it's just a 15, 30 minute conversation, feel free to reach out and would love to chat. Awesome, Brian. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to have you a part of this community. Awesome. Tony, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure and looking forward to getting more involved. No, thank you, Brian.